I'm in the mood to really roll. You're, you have your, you've had your coffee and you're ready to go? I am. <laughs> Not just one cup, but 23. <laughs> oh, let's see here. All right, so I think we'll play the opening music to the 1957 version because the opening music to the 2007 version is not very good, I don't think. Yeah, I don't either. There is a lonely train called the 310 to Yuma. The pounding of the wheels is more like a mournful sigh. There's a legend and there's a rumor When you take the 310 to Yuma You can see the ghosts of outlaws go riding by, riding by. In the sky was the opening music to 310 to Yuma and that was the opening music to the 1957 version which was released by Columbia Columbia thank Columbia you. Pictures yeah Columbia Pictures and directed by Delmer Daves he and was a very well-known uh, director yeah well, anyway, I'm Matt Johnson, and I am coming to you from Seattle, Washington. And I'm Bob Johnson here in Los Angeles. Hope you're all having a good uh, day and getting ready for Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's Thanksgiving week. Uh, and you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and you can find us on the web at classicmoviereviews.net. Or just search for Classic Movie Reviews on iTunes. And we're doing something special this week. We're reviewing two movies. The original 310 to Yuma from 1957. And the remake from 2007. And uh, they are pretty similar, aren't they? They are. In fact, like, like you said in one of your emails, some of the scenes are almost identical. And then... The 2007 film adds about 30 minutes and has a couple of other uh, plots that aren't in the original movie. Yeah, there's a whole there's a whole other section to the movie where in the in the 1957 version, uh, Ben Wade, who's played by Glenn Ford, is kind of a I don't know a bad he's well he's a bad guy he he's the head of a a gang of uh, thieves and outlaws, and he's captured by. Well, it's a it's kind of a group effort, but Dan Evans, who is played by Van Heflin in the 1957 movie, is kind of instrumental in in capturing Ben Wade. And Ben Wade and Dan Evans and a uh, another gentleman, who is played. But I'm not sure who plays the kind of the town drunk in the 1957 version. Do you know? Oh, I had that on the screen. Oh, a Henry. While ago, but I don't, here we go. Oh, Henry yeah. Jones. Sorry, Henry Jones plays the town drunk, and the three of them head out to get to 
Oh, contention. Contention. Yeah. Contention. Yeah. yeah, Where they're going to pick up the 310 train to Yuma where there's a prison. In the 1957 version, they pretty much make a straight beeline from Bisbee. And in the, in the 2007 version, they have this whole side adventure where they have to go through this canyon, which is, uh, still controlled by warring Apache Indians. And along the way, they also run into gang of Chinese immigrants that are being worked by the railroad to build uh, tunnels through the mountains. I thought that was pretty interesting in the 2007 version. I kind of like that that side trip that they made. I did too. I think that I think that added to it as well as the uh, expanded story uh, of Dan Evans and his son. Um, and their conflict, but later they grow closer together near the end of the movie. I forget the son's uh, uh, name. William Evans is played by the actor Logan Lerman, who is more well uh, known for the, let me just see here, the Percy Jackson movies. He oh, plays okay. uh, Percy Jackson in, in those two movies. And he's he's quite good as the... As the son, I, I liked him a lot in the 2007 version. I, oh, I did too. I uh, Well, just some background, like I always look up on the two films. The director of the 57, 1957, Delmer Daves, was very good. He did uh, one of my favorite movies, Dark Passages, from 1947 with Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. The director for the 2007 was James Mangold, who did a movie that I really like called Walk the Line, the story of, uh, in 19, I think he did it in 19, uh, 2005, story of Johnny Cash. So both directors have a, are really good. Uh, I, I was struck by the uh, difference in the budget between the two movies, even if you <laughs> adjust it to today. I mean, they both made money, but the, uh, the, uh, two, the, 2007 movie was substantially bigger budgeted than the 1957, which they kind of did in a hurry, I think. Well, I mean, you've got two superstars in the 2007 version with Russell Crowe playing Ben Wade and Christian Bale playing Dan Evans. So I'm, I'm imagining that that took some money to get those two people signed up. Yeah, I, I agree. And the, and the original, it was just the, well, Glenn Ford was a, like a, one of the top box office draws in the 50s and early 60s. But Van Heflin was not so much that way. He was kind of a second-line actor. Excellent actor, though. He was really good in uh, Shane. He was great so, as the as Dan Evans. I, I really liked his character. The 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 two actors, Christian Bale and, and Van Heflin, played that role quite differently. Uh, I thought that Christian Bale was a little bit more kind of downtrodden and sort of just really, he really portrayed the character as sort of being at the end of his rope, you know, just like so desperate uh, in, in a couple different ways. I, I know that he was desperate for money because his, uh, well, there, there had been a drought and the guy that owned the land up Creek from him had dammed off the Creek and wouldn't let any water run run downstream. I thought that was real classic. Uh, but then he was also kind of desperate for kind of his son's, uh, 
what's the word admiration or he he really wanted to be kind of a hero in his son's eyes in the 2007 yeah. version at the beginning of the movie his son really didn't think much of him and that changed completely as the movie went along Don't you know i was thinking if you took out the role of the son and the father and that trip they took through the canyon the two movies are almost the same, except for the very end. The, the endings are different. But I well, couldn't I, believe how similar some of the scenes are. Yeah, I thought that the, move, the, the 1957 version was much more a story about Dan Evans coming to grips with his past and kind of his present situation and kind of turning it around at the end. And I loved the end of the 1957 movie where he's on the train with Ben Wade and it just starts raining like crazy. And... His wife is in the uh, the wagon kind of across the, the, the creek there and is waving at him. And it's just a very sort of upbeat and, and positive ending to the 1957 version. And it's totally, totally different ending in the 2007 version. The 2007 ending reminded me of uh, like a Shakespearean play. Oh, I thought the 2007 version was very much like a Shakespeare play. Definitely. Yeah. There's a lot of backstabbing, a lot of uh, drama between the characters, a lot of kind of infighting between them. It was it was really, really, really well done. Uh, do you I, want to I talk? Thought Rus Russell Crowe was just outstanding in that role. I mean, he's a he's such an excellent actor. He really lived that role. But my favorite character in the 2007 film is. Charlie Prince, played by Ben Foster. <laughs> yeah, that guy, that guy was sent from the devil. He was he was he was much more evil than uh, Charlie Prince in the '57 version, which was played by Richard Jekyll. Uh, I, that guy was uh, uh, Ben Foster's character was just. I mean, he looked like he'd come from hell. Yeah, he definitely played that as a much more evil character than in the original. The original Charlie Prince was really smart and kind of uh, like a second lieutenant to Ben Wade, whereas in the 2007 version, like you said, he's just he's just evil. Just some of the scenes uh, that I like. Well, from the 1957 movie, I really enjoyed the mood of the black and white photography, and I totally enjoyed the uh, song, the 310 to Yuma, sung by... Frankie Lane, known to us as the singer from Blazing Saddles. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I first heard him start singing, I, I recognized his voice right away, and then it, it made me laugh because of what you said. Uh, he didn't realize he was singing a song for Blazing Saddles that was sort of a, a comedy or a satire of Western music. But yeah, he was he, great. He, he did a great job he was with a, this one. He was very successful uh, as a singer. Some of the, the uh, similarities between the two movies, uh, in, in my mind, are the stagecoach robbery, even though it's more elaborately produced in the 2007 version, all those loose cattle running around, the, the living on the edge at that ranch. The barroom scenes were like almost identical from the two movies. And I thought, well, Glenn Ford and Russell Crowe really know how to romance a woman. Boy, do they um, ever. And the dinner scene at the ranch with Ben Wade and the family, that was very similar. 
even to the person out front uh, of the cabin firing a rifle at something thought was a bad guy turned out to be nothing. Everyone backing away from helping. Uh, those are all to me very similar from from fifty years apart. Yeah, there were. It was surprising how similar, and even some of the lines, like at the dinner, there were some lines that were really similar. I was in San Francisco once. I I knew a girl there, and she was the daughter of a sea captain too, and she had the greenest eyes. I used to look real deep into her eyes, and they and they just change colors, you know, get all fiery and and uh, green, you know, all the colors of the sea. It's funny how how a woman's eyes will change color at nighttime. You ever been to San Francisco? If it's all right by you, Mr. Wade, I'd rather we not talk. So you've never been to San Francisco? No. I know a girl there. She was the daughter of a sea captain. She had the most beautiful green eyes. Not the greenest eyes I ever saw. Like yours. And I'd stare deep into them and just change color in front of me. All the colors of the sea. The bar scene where they did a little speech about how Ben Wade had to kill one of the one of the crew. Here's to the bus. He had to say goodbye to one of the outfit, and that's too bad. If it hadn't been goodbye for him, it could have been goodbye for some of the rest of us. Boss? Here's to the four we lost in battle. And here's to the boss, who... Had to say goodbye to Tommy Darden today. And that's too bad. Proverbs 13.3 He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. He that opens his lips too wide shall bring on his own destruction. Amen. Tommy was weak. Tommy was stupid. Tommy is dead. I drink to that. You know, I was thinking about this this morning. It's it, even though the scenes are very similar, and even some of the lines are the same or very similar. It's like the 2007 version cranked it up a couple notches. You know, in terms of yes, in terms of the drama, in terms of the relationships, in terms of sort of the the not so much the violence as just the spectacle of it. Like the Wagon train robbery at the beginning was much more, like you said, elaborate. There were more explosions. They had a Gatling gun in the 2007 version where they, they didn't have that in the, the original. I think you're right on. I think uh, the other things that were different, even though the scenes are similar, the uh, look of the people and the way they were photo uh, photographed uh, was quite different in 2007. There was more realism in terms of how those people looked, especially Charlie Prince. But all of them, they just looked like, man, this this is a rough crew of folks. And I really liked the color photography in the 2007 version because it was so beautiful, beautifully filmed. 
It was. In, I, mean, I, it, I think I filmed it in New Mexico. I may be mistaken on that, but I think that's where they did it. Yeah, I watched it on Blu-ray, and it was it was pretty spectacular scenery. Everything everything felt very lived in, you know. Like even the town that they built for contention. In the original, it was it was just a few buildings and a train stop. And in the 2007 remake, it was like it looked like a whole, you know, western town. Yes. I guess today that's uh, a ghost town in, in Arizona. I, I've never been there, but I was reading about that. Any other things that were similar in your mind between the two? Or more similar, I should say, I guess? Well, <clears throat> you know, this uh, this idea that the, the 2007 version is really, I think, a story about Dan Evans, again, played by Christian Bale, and then his son, William Evans, played by Logan Lerman. To me... The remake was all about their relationship. And when I thought about the 1957 version, you could tell in the kind of opening scenes that he had the admiration of his sons. Like, they they really looked up to him. But it was, it was like he... Dan Evans, uh, played by Van Heflin in the 1957 version, didn't seem very content with his life. Well, I'm glad you're back safe. Heavens, anything could have happened. There was no danger. Not to us, anyway. It just seems so terrible. Why? What's terrible? Nothing. What's the matter? Nothing. It just seems terrible that something bad can happen and all anybody can do is stand by and watch. Lots of things happen where all you can do is stand by and watch. No, but to have you stand by. And to have the boys watch. All right, so that's life. You're going to have to watch a lot of terrible things. People get killed every day. Lightning can kill you. Three years of drought killing my cattle. That's terrible, too. What can I do? I can't make it rain. Expect me to cool off the sun? Dan, why are you so cross? I don't know. You just seem to expect something from me that I'm not. No, I don't. Not really. There was some backstory there that they never explained, but I kind of imagined that he was kind of like a, either a war, a, had been in the war, or maybe was a bounty hunter, or there was something about him that was kind of like this quiet presence that spoke a lot of uh, volumes about his, his history, but they never really told you what that was. Did you, did you get that feeling, like there was more to him than, than met the eye? I did, and I and it left the uh, viewer to decide what it was. As you said, I thought it was probably because he'd been in the uh, Civil War, and and permanently uh, scarred by that. Well, I I think there I think what's more interesting to me than what's similar are the things that are different. Uh, like Ben Wade in the original, he was he was a bad guy, and and you know that he was leading that crew of of villains. He sort of was like you could tell that he had a good side to him as well, uh, and they didn't spend a lot of time developing that that aspect of him. It just sort of was part of his character in the original. But in the remake, Ben Wade was was a bad guy. I mean, capital B, capital G. He was oh, he oh. wasn't going to take any crap from anybody. Like when they were camping out in the canyon. And that one guy kept singing the song and, and was so annoying. <clears throat> gonna hang me in the morning. 
I'd be asleep in my own bed right now if it weren't for you. So if I gotta be up, well then, uh, you're damn well gonna be up with me too. Ben, wait. They're gonna hang me in the morning before the night is done. Ben Wade just took a fork and stabbed him in the neck over and over again and killed him. And... Right, and there's a, you, if you think back, that fork was one that he uh, stole from the dinner. It, it shows him putting it in his shirt. Oh, I missed that. Okay. And he, he made good use of it later. So what was interesting to me was the... to And Russell Crowe did a really good job of this. But as the movie progressed and they got to contention and they were kind of hanging out in that hotel room, you could very slowly see him starting to really kind of admire Dan Evans and, and also his son, William Evans. It was, it, was near, it was really near the end when they were trying to get to the train, and Russell Crowe had <clears throat> Christian Bale trapped and, and was strangling him with his handcuffs, and Christian Bale said, I, I had never been no hero, Wade. Only battle I've seen. We was in retreat. My foot got shot off by one of my own men. You tried telling that story to your boy. See how he looks at you then. And Russell Crowe was sort of like, "Oh man, okay. Let's yeah. let's let's make you a hero in your son's eyes. Let's do this together." And I just thought that was such a great scene. It really, it really made me. Is. It really made me like Ben Wade, even though I know that he was a really bad guy. Wasn't that story of his youth something he was telling, where he was eight years old and he was just abandoned? Yeah, read the Bible, Dan. I read it one time. I was eight years old. My daddy just got himself killed over a shot of whiskey. My mom said, "We're going back east to start over." She gave me a Bible. She sat me down at the train station told me to read it. She was going to get our tickets. Well, I did what she said. I read that Bible from cover to cover. It took me three days. She never came back. But furthermore, near the very end... Uh... He's so committed to making Ben uh, Dan Evans look like a hero that he goes after his own men. Oh yeah, he sh he guns them all down. Yeah, <laughs> he was but, very skilled at what he did. But not only did he gun them down, I mean, like with Ben Foster, uh, who played Charlie Prince, he shot him once, and he and Charlie Prince was kind of standing there, kind of wavering back and forth, and then. Ben Wade walked up to him and put a gun right to his chest and looked him in the eye and shot him again. I know. These and were I, not nice people. And I have to think that Ben Wade didn't really like Charlie Prince at, at some level. Like he, he sort of was relishing the fact that he could, could do that. 
I was I was thinking about the uh, the Glenn Ford part that that character that he played in that movie of the bad guy, even though it's not as much as uh, Russell Crowe, that was really out of character for him because he in his earlier movies he'd always been kind of the good guy, uh, and this was a big step in a different direction for him. I think he wanted to expand his horizons as an actor and push for that role because I, I read somewhere, not, not this week, but somewhere in the past that originally he was projected to be the Dan Evans character. And he didn't want to do that. He wanted to play the Ben Wade character. Yeah. Because I mean, there's a lot of really good uh, Westerns with him in it as the, as the hero. Yes. So this was, this was kind of <clears throat> against his, his typecasting. I thought there was a similar and yet very different, scene a set of scenes where the town drunk uh gives up his life to uh to help uh dan evans in the hotel he's hanged and gives up his life to help when they're escaping that uh, train construction crew those were sort of similar roles but completely different type characters now who do you think played the town drunk in the the new movie i i couldn't tie it directly to i was it the, sure. was, was it the doc? Was there one? Yeah, I think I think the doctor, in a completely different way, is 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 uh, the character that replaces the town drunk. Because he was really more of a veterinarian, right? And he sort of yes, uh, yes, saved. Oh, the, the Peter Fonda character. Yeah, Peter. He saved Peter yeah. Fonda. That's right. And then he decides to go to contention with them. But, yeah, it gets shot along the way. doesn't make it. I thought the role of the town drunk in the original 1957 movie was, was very noble. I, I, yes. I really liked that he was so committed to helping Dan Evans and, and really, I think, was trying to turn his life around at that point and, unfortunately, didn't live long enough to really see that happen. But I, I really liked that character. He, uh, he was about the... Well, he was the only one that helped him. Everybody else deserted him. Then in the 2007 version, the marshal and his two or three assistants show up, and then they decide, oh, we're not going to get involved in this, so they go out in front and they get shot down. I like oh. what Charlie Prince did uh, in the the 2007 version because he says to basically all these people in the town that... Listen up! Listen up! That's Ben Wade they have up there! Ben Wade! Now, the railroad intends to put him on the 310 to Yuma and hang him. What's he doing? We will give you 200 Cash dollars to any man who shoots any one of his captors. Two hundred cash dollars guaranteed. And like there's like fifteen or twenty guys that like start getting their guns out and like, well, I'll take that up. And that was a lot more of an intimidation factor for me in the new movie versus the 1957 movie where yeah. it's, it's just Charlie Prince and, and six of his cronies 
And I thought, well, they, you know, that's pretty even fight. I thought they could, they had a chance, but there's no way in the new movie that they would have a chance against like 30 guys with guns. And it, and it ended up not even mattering because Charlie Prince and his crew just gunned them down when they came out of the hotel. So, oh, well. <laughs> there was a lot, there was a lot of gunplay for sure. <laughs> And didn't he? And didn't Charlie Prince handle those two handguns well in the 2007 version? He did. Wow! I, there was a scene where he was uh, trying to tell all these guys that were shooting at Ben Wade and Dan Evans there, uh, and Charlie Prince was yelling at all of them, "Shoot the farmer or, or shoot the rancher <laughs> or whatever." And then they weren't, so they kept going after Ben Wade too, and so then he just started shooting everybody. Like, I, know. I mean, I, I love that scene. He's walking down the street and he's like, you know, shoot this guy, shoot that guy, shoot that guy. <laughs> and he never missed. Yeah, he was really skilled with his guns. Wow. Oh. Well, do you want to talk about the ending a little bit? We could blow the spoiler horn on the 2007 version. Well, yeah, let, let's start with the 2000, uh, the 1957 version. Well, you already covered that. It has an upbeat ending, and they're both on the train, and it starts raining, and and uh, Dan Evans' wife and Mr. Butterfield are in the carriage waving to them. Very classic mid-50s ending. However, the 2007 version, I think I'll let you describe that one. So talk about Shakespearean. Yes. So uh, <clears throat> Ben Wade and Dan Evans are in the train station there in contention. And they're pretty much surrounded by, you know, Ben Wade's uh, gang. But fortunately, William Evans has stayed behind to help, a, to help his dad out. And he releases all these cattle from the pens and the cattle sort of like spread out and, and pr provide cover for Dan Evans and Ben Wade to get to the train. And at this point, Ben Wade is uh, 100% helping Dan Evans with this mission of, of trying to impress his son and, and really make Dan Evans look like a hero to his son. And they get to the train, and Ben Wade gets on the train and gets into the little uh, jail that they've got on the train there. And Dan Evans looks like triumphant like we did it and Ben Wade's like yep we did it and then you hear a gunshot and Dan Evans looks shocked and Ben Wade yells out no you know don't do it stop but it's too late because Charlie Prince is firing on Dan Evans and has shot him once and Dan Evans turns around and gets shot a couple more times and his his son sees all this happening but there's no way that his son can help at this point. He's stuck behind all these cattle, and uh, he's just not able to really do much to help. So Ben Wade gets out from the jail and jumps down and basically just starts gunning down all of his, all of his crew. Uh, and as I described earlier, uh, Charlie Prince is kind of like standing there with this look of surprise on his face. And then Ben Wade walks up to him and just shoots him point blank. And it was, it was, I thought it was just really, really well done. I mean, I I didn't really expect 
I, I kind of wondered how the ending was going to be different because I knew that it was different, but I did not expect Dan Evans to die at the end. I was totally shocked by that. I saw it in the theater in the fall of 2007 or early 2008, and I'd seen the original, so I assumed that the ending of this one would be the same as that. It was really a surprise to me. And then and then uh, Ben Wade gets back on the train and hands his gun to the jailer and gets back in the jail, and the train takes off. Horse comes over, takes off after the train, like he's going to escape and take the horse and get away. So my little mind is like, okay, let's assume he gets away. Where does he go? Does he go back to help Dan Evans' family succeed? Does he go off into the dark reaches of robbery again? Or it, I like that ending because it left it up in the air. Like, what is he going to do? Well, there, there's two things I think you skipped over. Uh, one, which I thought was really important, which was William Evans, the son, had the drop on Ben Wade and, yes. and, and had the opportunity to kill Ben Wade. And I think Ben Wade was sort of like okay with that. Like he, yeah. if, if William Evans had pulled the trigger and killed him, Ben Wade wasn't going to try to stop him at that point. Uh, but William Evans, I think, makes the right choice and decides that it's not worth it. I don't want to be a cold-blooded killer. Even though earlier in the movie, when they were trying to escape from the railroad gang uh, through those uh, tunnels, he did kill somebody. He shot somebody yes. as they were escaping. So it's not that he hadn't done that or couldn't do that. It's just that he decided not to. And then the the reason that the horse comes running after the train for Ben Wade was that Ben Wade whistled. So his horse was trained to this whistle yeah, that yeah. Ben Wade had. <laughs> and that reminded We're, me of like... Uh, uh, oh, the Lone Ranger. The Lone Ranger, yeah. Kind of reminded Gene me Autry, of the... Gene Autry used that whistle with Champion the horse, too. <laughs> yeah. So I, kinda, <laughs> I thought that kind of called back to the 1957 Westerns. I thought that yeah. was a, a neat little touch. Did you where, where did you think he was going when the train disappeared in the ending credits started did you think he was going to well I, I knew that he was going to escape i mean he was just going to stay on the train long enough so that it looked like he was gonna go to the jail that much was clear and then i was the same as you i thought well is he going to go back to the ranch and help out the evans family or is he going to just ride off into the sunset because he's killed his whole crew and I thought, well, it's really unlikely that he'd go back to the Evans Ranch because he's a wanted man, and there's no way he's going to be yeah. able to hide out there. So I, I thought maybe he would turn over a new leaf and like head off to San Francisco or someplace in the West and and maybe start a new life, you know? Yeah, I like I like the fact though that we don't quite know what happens to him. I like that they it's left it open. Yeah, it's almost like they could do a sequel. With just Ben Wade, yeah. With Ben Wade, and it takes off. Uh, the movie, the uh, both movies made money. The 2007 made uh, quite a bit. I think it was 15 or 20 million. Plus, it's making money now. But I gave the uh, 2007 film a nine out of ten, and the 1957 film a seven out of ten. And the reason for the higher rating in my mind for the 2007 film was the story between the son and the father. And it was just much more, it was more of an expanded uh, screenplay. And I really thought 
the epitome of evil was Charlie Prince. I mean, he, he added a note of the devil to the movie. If the devil had come to the West and was a gunfighter, it'd be Charlie. He'd be him. Charlie Prince. You know, I, I gave this a lot of thought because the 1957 movie is is an excellent movie, and I think it would have been too much to ask in 1957 to develop that story between the father and son like they did in this movie. I I, I just think that the audience today is so much more sophisticated and I hope that doesn't sound like pretentious or anything, but I, I gave the 19, uh, 1957 an eight and I gave the 2007 a nine. I thought they were both really excellent movies. I, for the same reasons that you liked the new movie a little bit more. That's why I, the same reasons I used to, to give it a little yeah. bit higher rating, but I, I thought they were very close I thought for for 1957, I thought what they did with the story was was very well done. But I, I just like that in 2007 they dialed everything up a, a couple notches and then added in the story of, with the father and son. And the budget for the f 2007 film was about 55 million, and it really showed on the screen. It had really excellent production value. Oh, definitely. I mean, it was it was just as good as anything that that I think could be put on the screen, and and I like that they spent the money on building out the town. Yeah. I, I I like the that they spent the money with the with the railroad scenes and building the you know blasting out those tunnels. Uh, the 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 wagon train robbery at the beginning was very exciting and and quite a spectacle. So you could definitely see where the money went, and not to mention yeah. hiring Russell Crowe and Christian Bale. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention that I thought as I was watching it was that Russell Crowe kind of outshone Christian Bale to me a little bit, which is saying something because I, I love Christian Bale. I think he's one of his generation's best actors. But I think Russell Crowe was a little bit more subtle and and did a good job of doing that transition from a really evil bad guy to somebody who you kind of was rooting for, you were kind of rooting for at the end. I would agree with that. Yeah. I think I covered my notes. I was I was wondering, I don't have we decided what we're going to do in 2 weeks? And I just forgot to write it down. I know no, we, we talked about a musical or a comedy or Well, I, I I have an idea for something really off the wall that it would be totally different than what we've done before, and it would be a little hard to do sound clips, but I think we could make it work. This is going to sound weird. I, we don't have to do it if you don't want, but there's a, a, there's a series of movies that were made starting in the early 1960s uh, starring a character named Zatoichi, and he plays the blind swordsman. And the first three movies of this, I think he ended up making like 23 movies as this character, and then also like 100 episodes of a TV series. So it was pretty huge. But the first three movies of that series are, are just outstanding. And in fact, the third one was so good that it almost brought me to tears when I was watching it by myself because <laughs> it's just so, so good. It's in Japanese with subtitles, uh, and it's, it's really well done. Is it set in the uh, 1600s, or is it in yeah, modern times? No, it's not modern times. It's set uh, during the time of the, samurai, the, the Ronin, you know, kind of the wandering right, samurai. right. 
And, well, let's uh, do, let's do it. We we need to mix it up. Let's do that. Uh, I've been kind of wanting to review this movie. It's from the '60s. It's so it's kind of in that classic movie genre, you know, era. Oh, sure. And uh, it's just really well done. Really good acting. Great story. Very emotional. Let's do that, and then <clears throat> I propose in four weeks that we do a Sydney Poitier movie. Since we're going to kind of go international. The Sydney Poitier movie takes place in the uh, United Kingdom in the 60s to serve with love. And he's a teacher in a poor neighborhood, I believe in one of the London uh, sections. Okay. To serve with love. I think for 1965 or I've been wanting to do a Sydney Poitier movie for a while now. Okay, let's <clears> do it. Let's do it. So we're set. Awesome. Well, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we hope that you enjoyed uh, this episode. And in two weeks, we're going to review a movie called The New Tale. It's actually just called New Tale of Zatoichi. And it's Japanese, so we'll have to uh, translate as we do our audio clips, but we can make that work. Coming to you from Seattle, I'm Matt Johnson. And from Los Angeles, it's uh, Bob Johnson wishing you Good movie watching. That's it. And Anyways, we made it by 10. We made it by 10. Awesome. Thank you. Off the taping, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was on one of the sports stations last week for an hour. Uh-huh. He was co-hosting. That guy is a huge classic movie fan. He was talking about some of my favorites, like The Big Sleep and Spencer Tracy and Sidney Poitier. And the, I mean, I, I, if I could get a hold of him, I'd invite him to join our podcast. Oh, my God. If you could do that, that would be amazing. Because he was in one of my favorite movies. With, oh, Airplane. Well, Airplane, but also with Bruce Lee. He fought Bruce Lee in one of his movies. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I, oh, there's a mismatch. I'm trying to find... Uh... Oh, my God. He's very, very interesting. He's got a, he's got a new documentary out on... Uh, I believe it's on basketball, the integration of basketball. I couldn't believe he liked all these old classic movies. I'm like, wow. Yeah, it was the I'll game. Of, it was the game of death. And it, I was just looking at it on IMDb. He says he's <laughs> he's best known to film audiences for two very different film roles. Firstly, as a very tall adversary to Bruce Lee during a rather unique fight sequence in Lee's final film, The Game of Death, 
1978, and then Kareem played an airline pilot with a remarkable similar similarity to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the, <laughs> in the hilarious airplane. Oh, we should review airplane sometime. That's a yeah. Good it's one. it it qualifies. It's old enough. Yeah, it was fun. That's a fun movie. 